I am Tingan, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, where we interview dads who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. After hearing from moms in Season 1, now it's time to speak to dads who are raising kids while striving in their careers. Let's find out the stories, challenges, and advice they have for us. In this episode, we speak to Eric, Lead Product Manager at Grad. Eric started his career as a design engineer at Dyson before working in product roles at Razer, Igloo Home, and Property Guru. He's a passion explorer by night and recently started a video podcast, Your Grid Story, featuring the stories of founders, leaders, and changemakers who live by passion and perseverance. Eric is father to two sons, age six, and three. Hey, Eric, welcome to the Parents in Tech podcast. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. And to begin with, can you tell us a bit more about your family? Thanks, Yun, for having me on the show. So I have two kids, two very active sons, uh, three-year-old and six-year-old in uh, N2 and K2 in the childcare, right? So they are really, really active. And my wife is a nurse at the front line, right? So she's working at Tantok Singh, on palliative care, but due to the pandemic, she's also busy with uh, managing that as well. Wonderful. So tell me a bit about how you met your wife. Wow, that is a great question to start with. So I have known my wife since I was secondary one. Yes. So to- Wow. So childhood. <laughs> childhood is how you could call it. So when I was 13 years old, yep. we were sec one. We had some episodes before and I think we kind of reunited and we know each other again, right? When we were in undergrad and that got us going and knowing each other more. And that's how we know and get to know each other. Beautiful. So throughout this entire journey, starting from secondary one, when did the discussion of having children come into the picture? That's a great question, Tingan. So both of us are Christians, right? So going into the marriage, we have a intention of building a family. Going to marriage, even pre-dating, pre-marriage when we are dating, we also talk about having kids. How many kids? So there's a lot of alignment of, hey, do you want four kids, two kids, five kids, ten kids? So <laughs> we are at two. I think that is sort of mm. an alignment for us. We're happy with two and we are stopping at two, I guess. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. So why two, right? Is it because of how you guys were brought up, the kind of families you were in? Was there a lot of disagreement or was it both of you that just sort of landed at two and there wasn't much discussion from there? Great question, Tingan, on the two, right? So we discussed about this. If one kid, we think that might be a bit lonely, has no playmates to share toys with and end up being, has no opportunity to share his things. And we look at three or four. If it's three, I'm the third child. I'm the third boy in my family. I have two brothers and she has sisters. So we're comparing both families as well. We think that two is a good balance because we are one is to one, right? For example, dad taking care of the older one usually, right? And the mom taking care of the younger one. So one is to one. If the third one, uh, there'll be a bit of a challenge, right? To manage. So we end up aligning it too. Got it. Got it. And so now your two sons, age three and six, how do you explain what you do at work to them? Well, this is a tough question. So just for context, right? So I'm doing product management for years and I love this job. And how I will tell my six-year-old, I'm definitely not the three-year-old, maybe about six years old, is I solve problems. I'm a problem solver. So he loves Lego. So I play Lego with him a lot. And he built things. He built things from Lego, grown up. So I will have a lot of conversations with him around, hey, what are you building? What is this for? What problem does it solve? And through that, I also kind of inculcate these values to him of actually every product has a reason for existing, right, in the world. 
Right. Wow. Okay. That's really nice. So bringing his toys and what he does for playtime to help him understand and better know what you're doing. That's fascinating. So over the past six years, Eric, how would you describe your parenthood journey? Maybe if I can ask you to kind of divide it into chapters, walk me through what those chapters are. Well, it's been six years. So if it's 16 years, I think I have a lot of chapters. But sixth chapter would be when we have the first one. I think the first year of the first one is probably the toughest moment for us. Lots of adjustments from being just married couple to father and mother being the first time parent. I think it's always a huge adjustment. I think the first year was a lot of adjustment, alignment, Definitely little quarrels here and there. So that has to be a lot of conversation, alignment. And the second, third year is where, hey, things have settled on the first one. Should we have a second one? And that's where I think typically two to three years get is where it happens. And the second one is kind of growing up and he's like first or second year. And the elder one is probably like a four years old. So we have to balance that. So lots of alignment conversations during our dinners to talk about how do we balance out even household chores, you have a home to maintain, right? Household chores, which school to send to. You know, so a bit little details that we have to discuss about. Okay, so I'm going to double click it to the first year you were a parent. You said it was challenging. Talk me through perhaps what was one of those experiences that was particularly tough or challenging. Great question. Let me just rewind back to the first year. So the first year when the first second or the first minute that the baby is out, that is the moment, okay, this is getting real, right? I mean, this is like, okay, I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a real dad, right? So it's no way to like prepare fully until it happens sometimes. I mean, you can prepare all the nice in the room, groom the room and go for lessons and you know, all, all that, but it's really boils down to, hey, this is happening, just have to kind of hit the road and run, right? So the first year, it's a lot of challenges. Everything is new. When the first time you're feeding a baby, first time you need to manage the situation in the room, and of course, supporting the wife, supporting the mother is very important, right? Beautiful. And that's where a lot of emotional struggles as well. Definitely a lot of adjustments that, hey, it's not just two of us. It's like a third person. And he or she is a so-called shared, I would say property, but shared asset or shared person between us. So it's a life. It's not like a property or not a car, right? It's a person. So a lot of emotions does affect the, the decision making as well. Got it. And also thinking back about the part that was really tough, right? Was it related to work or was it just adjusting to the schedules of a newborn? Like did the work component come into play? I think both of us are very objective. We are able to prioritize and we are able to manage work and life in a way. I would say it's more towards that adjustment phase where it's a new boy or girl and everything is new. And we have to really think about every decision that we make for the kid, I guess. Yeah, it's the first one. Yep, yep, yep. So perhaps what was the most surprising part about being a dad? Something that perhaps you weren't expecting, but in the first year, you're like, wow, it's like that. Yeah, in terms of expectations, every couple is different, right? <laughs> every family is different. But for my case, is that my wife does expect me as a dad to be more involved that I wanted to be, I guess. And that made me realize that, hey, actually, parenting-wise, being a dad and compared to a mom, I think the involvement for both has to be almost equal, I guess. Equal so that we are both involved and being there for the kids, that is important. So there's a bit of the adjustment phase, like the first three to six months, it's like, okay, I need to do this. I thought this is supposed to be your job or my job, right? So I think that's where, okay, so that's the way we kind of align and getting closer to each other and we discuss about things and align. And after three, four years, I think it's pretty like a default thing, like a standard. Okay, you know you are in charge of A, B, C, I'm in charge of D, E, F kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, wonderful. It sounds, sounds like an equilibrium has been reached, right? Because now you also are more confident and I'm sure that confidence also came about when you welcome your second son. 
because it's almost, you know the routine, you know the drill. One part that you mentioned, Eric, it's about being there to support your wife. So could you perhaps elaborate on what was one or two things that you did that was particularly helpful and you would do it again if you had the chance to? Yeah, I think it's taking a hit and you know that you need to do this, but I think going beyond it, just taking for example, I mean, my wife likes to see that, hey, you know, actually before she asked about it, you have already done it. Little things like making milk, for example, or buying a milk powder. So all these things that less, I mean, I can't breastfeed, obviously, right? So or I, I can't like do things that a mom does more. So we try to make sure that it's balanced and really kind of thinking ahead. And I guess my work does help to make me think that way, right? Kind of thinking ahead, you know, before going to a meeting, you are, have some expectations. So I think it's kind of coherent. In that sense, I'm able to kind of over-deliver in a way, in a setting of family. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. And so how did being a dad also shape the way you work? Great question. Yeah. So I think work and life, especially now in the times of the pandemic, working from home, it has really been very infused together. And in the family, how does it apply to work? So I think it's two-way. It's not a one-way thing. From family to work, a lot of communication involved and a lot of alignment involved in terms of scope-wise, in terms of process, in a way, in the family. I mean, it has to be a process as well. Hey, what time should we do this? Is there a lights of timing? You know, so that routine or that discipline at home helps me to also bring that to work. The kind of discipline of, okay, this meeting needs to end on time or this project has to end on time, has to deliver. So these two really, family and work, does this matches up quite well. Yeah, they say that being a parent makes you be a lot more efficient and help you to prioritize this. I'm sure it's something that comes in very helpful as, as your role as a product manager. Yeah, for sure. And product manager does, does manage projects and timeline and dependencies, that whole quality and time and cost. Everything's involved, right? Cost, finding the right cost, right? Finding the right milk powder to buy, for example. Finding the right deal for diapers, for example. Finding the right vendors to build a product, for example. Yeah. So over the past six years, watching both your sons grow and mature, it's, I'm sure something that is particularly rewarding. But I'm sure that there are also challenges that involve, right? Probably for your younger son, he just came out of what people like to call the terrible twos. Maybe talk me through a bit more about the challenges throughout this toddler journey that they go through. And I'm asking that not just for my audience, but for myself. With a 17-month-old daughter, it's almost like, okay, what should I be ready for? Great question. I think that's just right in time for you, I guess. Yeah, I think issue challenge I've been challenged facing these few months is that when there's favoritism to the younger one, and then the older one will feel a bit jealous, unhappy. So we are trying to balance that as much as we can, really, because the younger one is attention and the older one is independence. So we think that, yeah, you know, if the older one to himself, the younger one, we can attend to him. But I think we have to be very intentional and very conscious in trying to balance that so that the older one will feel that he is being cared for as much as the younger one. So that is the challenge that we are facing in very, very recent ones, in fact. Right. And I'm curious, how did you notice that were there signs or were there incidents that led your elder son to feel like you wanted more of your attention? Yeah. In fact, it just happened yesterday. So it's so recent. So I do pick up my kids and sometimes the older one, we leave him a bit later. We pick him up later at about six o'clock and we pick up the younger one at about five o'clock. So you pick them in different timings. Then the older one, we feel that, hey, you know, when it's evening time, we come back for dinner. He'll be a bit frustrated. Why can't I come back together with Titi? Why do you want to pick me late? So we try to explain to him because I have meetings from 5.30 to 6 and all that, right? So a few challenges that we are facing, but as much as we could, we will, first of all, explain to him why 
and because that will help him to be understanding and be realistic, I guess. But second, as much as we can, we have to think of a way to be more fair to them. Together, so there was one incident, like sharing toys, for example, where, hey, you know, when Titi and Coco is going for the same toy, sometimes we'll say, hey, just give to Titi, you know, he's younger, younger and he's weaker and all that kind of things. But my wife and I, we discuss and we try to mediate sometimes, but not every time. We sometimes leave it to them to sort it out. But if things go over the line, then we need to say, hey, look at the clock. Let's take turns, five minutes each, that kind of things. Then try to try to be a middleman again, being a product manager, right? Kind of hey, mid- <laughs> being a middleman. Hey, let's take turn. Let's let's have a plan around this, work around, and they both agree. Okay, go five minutes, go. So that's just few examples over here. Nice. So it sounds like you are like adjudicator, a mediator of sorts. And of course, Eric, we're on this topic, it comes to the idea of discipline, especially at this age when they are learning how to push the boundaries. So tell me, what does discipline look like for you and your family? It's a good question, Singen. Regarding disciplining kids, again, I think every parent has unique opinions around this. It's not that we don't believe in caning, for example, right? So, but we are more of the soft approach first and we give him warnings. Hey, this is warning number one, warning number two, warning number three. If it's beyond the third one, you will have to go to the naughty corner to have, some, have a punishment. And a lot of times, punishment comes when there is a safety concern or it is extremely rude, for example, right? Manners, right? So some fundamental one. Not, hey, you didn't perform well, you didn't do your homework. No, not, not that kind of punishment, but disciplining, we try to go on a soft approach. We also bend down to talk to him, sit down, talk to him. And normally he will listen. The elder one, actually, yeah, he will listen. <laughs> and the younger one, we are still trying to see what works for him. So I think that is where how we discipline corner for him to go to. He knows it's just outside the storeroom, right outside the bomb shelter. So yeah. Oh, wow. That's so nice. So it's almost like this routine that you have set. But at the same time, that strike me as creating that safe environment where it's not just about making your children feel bad, right? But it's also about helping to really help them to understand what, where they have gone wrong and how they can improve. I'm curious, where did you learn these philosophies among other things of being a parent from? Books, internet, people, family? Yeah, tell me a bit more about where you get your source of inspiration and ideas. Fantastic question. In terms of ideas, as first-time parents, we always have questions. How do we manage them? And in fact, we have questions for next phase. You know, my elder one is going P1 next year. It's going to be different. He's going to meet new friends. He's going to be having P1, P2, P3 and, and up to P6 and all that, right? So every phase is different. And the inspiration that we get or the sort of things that we get, the methods that we learn from are from mentors mainly. So we have mentors from church, like marriage counselors. They guide us in terms of, hey, you know, we should actually manage the disciplining, especially bringing them up to be a good man and woman. And also reaching out to experienced parents, mostly friends, a bit more senior friends, that uh, they will have quite a few principles that we pick up. But not everything we can pick off the shelf. We have to see what fits for the child. Absolutely, absolutely. Interesting. And I guess also on that point, I'm curious, right? because always the idea of comparison, there, especially when you look for other sources online, it's always, oh, should I send my kid for this course? Am I doing this thing right? Talk to me about whether that FOMO, that comparison is something that you and your wife go through or less so. Uh, that's a good question. In terms of comparison, I would say that that applies very much to my wife more than myself. I'm not sure. I mean, you tell me, right? You have more guests, you know, of, of parents. But generally, my wife is the one that, hey, let's send him for this course and that course. Not course, right? Classes. Classes to have brain development, brain training. It might be music. It might be swimming. Somewhat essential. I think swimming is pretty much quite essential. But brain development, you know, going for classes. Just a fun fact that my eldest one, his first class mm-hmm. is when he was nine months old. Okay, what class was it? 
<laughs> so it's a brain development. It's called Brain Feet. So I was with him. We take turns to bring him there. And there were music. There's like flashcards. There's a lot of different activities. That's what every couple is different. For me, I took some time to adjust to it. I say, hey, come on. Like, let's not stress him out. But if I see him enjoying, like playing, listen to music, it's fine. I think it's okay. It's just that effort to bring him there. I think it's fine as well, as long as he enjoys. Yeah, makes sense. And I think it's really about creating those moments where this can be learning and interesting moments, but less of stress for, for your children and also for the parents, right? It shouldn't feel like your weekends or your after hours. It's just all about sending them from place to place, uh, going through all of that. True. It's different when I bring him to the class physically and I'm with him physically when he's young. He's like five or six years old and I leave him to the class for two hours and I have a coffee break and have a me time, right? Like read a book, I can listen to podcasts, I can catch up with friends over coffee. So it's really different and I think there are fun times in both ways. True, true, true. So speaking of podcasts, Eric, you started a podcast a couple of months back. Tell me a bit more about this and also how you find the time to do that with everything that's going on. Yeah, thanks, Hinga. So just for the podcast, and I respect, really admire you a lot on the Parents in Tech podcast, right? Regarding the podcast that I'm running, which is Your Good Story, essentially it's really highlighting the passion and the perseverance of leaders, founders, and change makers, where they really take a road less traveled and understanding why they do what they do. Every story is unique. So hence, I started this podcast about seven months ago, purely because I think that there is a way, because we are not big media company to kind of highlight in VC funding, big companies, but we are more look towards like non-profit social enterprise and startup companies that needs a voice out, right, of why there's this company existing and what problems they're solving. Yeah, so... That is where the motivation is from, really helping them to have a shout out as well as reconnecting with them. Like I reconnected with a friend that I met 10 years ago, for example. And there's another one, I episode with a friend that I met him when he was primary four, having in the same Chinese tuition class. So it's a lot of reconnecting with friends and getting to know, hey, you know, what's up this recent years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So, you know, this is, might sound like a very oddball question, but I feel like I can ask someone who is a parent and a podcaster. One of the things that, of course, in podcasting, it's making sure you have a decently nice and quiet environment to do it. You have two sons who are, are very active. And so how do you find the time? How do you create the space to do this podcast sessions? Great question. I think that is really a practical question. Yes, you're right. If my sons are out there right now, outside the room, probably won't hear me clearly. For sure. And you'll hear like the door knocking, doom, 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 right? So <laughs> to find time for this podcast, it's few chapters to it, right? The recording part of it and the editing part of it and the production, right? And of course, the shouting out in, in social media channels. So for the recording, I try to batch them, right? And I take a half day leave. Like today, I'm on leave, for example. I have a recording late in the afternoon. So I take leave for the podcast. So I stack two or three, mm. typically two. So in one half, half of the day, so that I, I have them kind of, the effort is continued. I record them together. That itself is where I find time to record. And to edit it is at night, nice. right? At night, uh, not every night, but I try to have alternate nights to, hey, just touch up the editing and come up with designs. I use Canva for design. And sharing that also is really sometimes on the way in a train or something when I'm waiting for my son on Saturdays, even on enrichment class, I do sharing on Instagram stories. So it's kind of infusing my life right now. I enjoy that as well in creating these designs and executing this whole podcast, yeah. 
Thank you so much for sharing that, Eric. I think it sounds like this truly is done from the heart, right? Just being able to find that time, that space to do it. And of course, you must enjoy it, right? It shouldn't feel like a second job. Otherwise, it's not a lot of fun. Also, thank you for taking time off to do this podcast. I know doing perhaps three in a row uh, can be quite tiring. <laughs> I did that once and I was like, at the end of the third one, I was like, ooh. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, agree. Does, it does take a bit of a uh, social energy. So really, really appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Okay, shifting gears a little, right? And since we talk, also talk about consuming knowledge, learning, let's say I put you next to a leading expert in parenting. What would you ask him or her? Well, if that's the case, I think the question I'll ask that spans across years in life is that how do we adapt to different phases? It's just so dynamic, right? Like the kids, when he's in preschool to primary school and secondary school and teenagers, different challenges. And when they are in their teenagers' years, it's going to be different where, hey, we wanted to come home, but they want to come home and kind of things. I mean, we have been through that. Question I will ask is, how do we adjust? How do we adapt to different phases? And if there's a library of knowledge that I can kind of download and not being robotic, but there's a meaty kind of thing, right? Then I think that would be great as well. Got it. And so on this idea of adapting and changing, right? So what were some of the things that you had to adapt to perhaps in the recent 6 to 12 months? Things that you weren't expecting, but ended up you had to respond to it. Well, in terms of adaptation, well, because my younger one has started to talk a lot in recent months. Just imagine the word count at home, not in school, at home when it's three months ago, it's probably like hundreds, but now I'm quite sure it's like a thousand. He can talk and talk and talk and he can reason out. And the most recent challenge or something that I need to adapt to is where they can quarrel. I mean, they can they can fight, right? So I think that was I mean, three months ago, probably couldn't because Titi will be like, just cry, you know, but now he fight, fights back. So I think this is a new phase again to manage real conflicts between siblings. I mean, I've been through that. I fought with my brothers, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> so it's a cycle. And I think this is where we need to adapt and to go back to our mentors or even read some books or listen to some podcasts on parenting and to learn from others. In fact, from your previous episodes, I've learned quite a few things as well. For my podcast as well, I also talked to founders who are parenting. Just the most recent episodes, I spoke to Nicole Ng, founder of uh, Food Bank Singapore, and she has four kids. It's amazing. Four kids. Like, how do you manage four kids? She has really a few great parenting lessons to share as well. I see that, you know, there are just different avenues that we can pick these learnings from experienced, more experienced parents. Absolutely. Okay, so Eric, we have talked a lot about you learning and absorbing. Now let's flip the question a little. Let's say today you could do a book or, of course, for you, a podcast that you could kind of prepare it for your children, that they would listen to it in many years to come. What will you talk about? Wow, that is really a tough question. So if I want to write a book or a podcast that they can listen to or read, like now or in 10 years' time? Um, no, I would say in okay. 10, 20 years' time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think the content of evergreen content is important. I'll be probably kind of doing more in terms of tips, tips of growth, tips of how to learn faster, and tips of how do you manage people relationships. So a few, a few of these things are very essential skills that, I mean, we all don't learn this in school, right? We all learn this in our, probably our second job, right? First job, we're like kind of figuring out, you know, how do we do this? You know, second job, you start, oh, actually realize that, hey, there are more things to that, right? And I feel that these are not taught in school and there are no lectures or lessons to, to teach these interpersonal skills, relationship management skills. So I think if I were to do a podcast or book, I will focus on those contexts. So my kids grow up, they can go to school to learn and also they can look at this content, read this book or listen to this podcast to learn about, oh, actually a lot of psychology in it. 
there's a lot of personal skills that they can pick up from. Gotcha. And I think that definitely is wonderful, right? Helping your kids to shortcut the learning process. So I guess also for our parents and audience to sort of wrap up our conversation for today, if there's one lesson you've learned as a parent in tech, what would it be? Well, if there's one lesson that I could share, being there, being there not just for the kids, but also for the wife, because it's a family unit and sometimes you have to focus on the kids, then you know your wife. So being there for the family and sometimes being that, sometimes we are too engrossed at work. So being involved and with their first dental visit, their first day in school, first day in primary school, right? So all these very important events, just being there, you know, calls for a lot of events and being involved as well. Yeah, so I think that's, that's oh, just one more point, I think, just for advice is that don't give up dating. <laughs> so I think just have to, we are very intentional. We need to take leave to go for dates, like take leave. Valentine's Day maybe, or maybe not Valentine's Day, but days around Valentine's Day that week, right? To go out for a date so that we still have that relationship of, hey, it's just two of us having a nice meal, chatting about life and sharing. Just don't give up dating. Dating is continual until we are old. So I think that's the advice as well for parents out there. That is golden, right? Because I think so often it's easy as parents to neglect that relationship we have with our partners because it's all about the children. But uh, I really, really like and appreciate that reminder. Well, Eric, it's such a joy to have you on the show today. If some of our parents, some of our audience would love to connect with you, how can they best do so? Just feel free to look me up on LinkedIn, Eric Chang, JQ. JQ is my Chinese name. Connect with me. Just drop me a note. Sure, we'll do. And we will also definitely include your Great Story podcast link so that our audience can hear the inspiring stories you have to tell. Well, awesome. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Such a joy speaking with you. Thank you, Tingyan, for having me. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www parents.fm That's all for this episode folks. See you next time.